This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor, I understand that we have another fun with feline friends type story. <laughs> oh, it is an ongoing saga with this feline <laughs> friend here. I, um, you know, I, uh, <laughs> he's very insistent on waking me up in the morning and he's getting more insistent but lately he's resorted to keeping himself entertained by playing on the bed and what he does is um he has this like little furry ball i don't it probably came attached to a cat scratcher at some point or whatever but he loves this thing and he he'll jump up onto the bed with it and then he gets really wild like he's he's playing like a you know how ferrets play where they're just like this rolling thing digging jumping he'll try and get it under the covers so he can scoop it back out again and it's he he's not gentle and he's makes the bed shake which is not conducive to sleeping but even that <laughs> wouldn't be so bad if he didn't have to also talk to his toys at the same time <laughs> so there's this constant meow cavity going on while he's chasing and hunting and throwing and tossing and everything and so the other morning I was so fed up with it that I grabbed the toy and I threw it off the bed thinking all right he'll go do that down there but no I taught my cat how to play fetch and that <laughs> go as intended and so the next morning when he he did it again I grabbed the toy and I just held on to it and you know rolled myself over tucked myself into the blankets like a burrito I turned my back on him and the next thing I feel is him walking over my shoulders and then sniffing my hands and trying to get under the sheet to get to my hands because he knows he can smell it he knows that's where it is and so I I know he wants my hands because that's a thing with him is he wants me to pet him. So I put it in the other hand and I, I put my hand out like to pet him, to make him like lay down. Maybe he'll just lay down and go to sleep since he doesn't have the the toy. And that's what he wants. He wants me to be awake so he can lay down next to me and go to sleep. <laughs> Dude, that's not how it works. So I, I put my hand out to try and get him to lay down. And he just keeps sniffing my hand, sniffing my hand, going up and down my fingers like will not leave my hand alone because it's like I know you have that toy and I smell it on you where is it and finally I just had to push him off of that and he he did go away at that point but this is clearly I've not found the solution and it's only getting worse and that's the latest in the saga of how to stay asleep when a cat refuses to let you and I'm I'm picturing your cat storming off in a huff but cats can't really stomp off and, and make a lot of noise it's just little pitter pat pitter pat paws and looking back at I mean, you he's, with he's like an elephant he's like an elephant with the way how heavy he is when he hits the bed you know like he is not gentle at all but anyway i love him and i love the interaction and i love that he wants to 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 spend so much time with me and if i like i close the bathroom door to go take a shower he's just going to stand outside the door crying the whole time until i let him in like it's it's a compliment, I guess, when you have a cat 
that wants to spend that much time with you. So you just sort of suck it up and go, thank you, cat, for the approval. And I love you. And <laughs> yes, I guess I'm not going to sleep as much anymore. <laughs> but we also love our listeners. And for that reason, we have a topic today that doesn't involve feline friends. No, not at all. Um, this topic comes courtesy of, well, a listener who's also a friend. And uh, yeah, so this is a, technically a listener question. And it's a subject I don't think we've really spent a lot of time talking about, which is omnipotent narrators. So I'm kind of, because as a friend, I got this as a voicemail instead of as text. So just what I needed to be a transcriptionist. You know who you are. <laughs> and I'm not going to say your names. I don't have permission, but I know you're listening to this. Um, anyway, so this is not exact word for word, but it's pretty close. So the question went something like this. I'm working on a short story and it's mostly omnipotent narrator. And I realize I've included things like the character thought this or felt that. And I'm currently listening to a book. I was given the title, but um, I have things to say about the title and it's this massive bestseller. So I'm not going to name the title of the book. So anyway, I'm currently listening to a book and I realized it's an omnipotent narrator. And I don't think even once have I come across a scenario where the characters say so-and-so thought this or so-and-so felt that. It's all they said this, they said that, and that's it. All we get are the actions. We don't get any inner dialogue at all. And I wonder what you think about that writing approach. So in response to that question, well, first I was like, uh, can I answer this on a podcast instead? And they're like, yeah, sure. So I was like, so in, in response to that, I was like, well, that's a very open-ended question about what I think about that writing approach, especially since I haven't read the book. And so I said, well, did you yourself enjoy the book? What writing storytelling takeaways did you get beyond noticing that there just didn't seem to be any character in her world? And so key point to note here is that the reading segment, this is a really, really, really long book. And the, dis the questions, the discussions that I was being asked was really based only on the very first part of the book. I guess it comes in multiple parts. So they made it very clear that they were only talking about the first part. And so then they said, well, the first thing that struck me was that the book felt like an 1800s novel and it's supposed to take place in the 1800s. So they captured that perfectly. It felt like I was reading League of Extraordinary Gentlemen from Hell, Frankenstein, Dracula. I don't know how they did it, but that's what it felt like. And that's all I really noticed the first time through. The second time through part one, because they've only read part one. I began to notice things like the omnipotent narrator, and it didn't pull me out of the book, but it provided sort of mysteries like, okay, I really don't know what this guy's motivations are. I don't know what he's thinking. All I know is he's how he's acting. And it was just a really different way of telling a story. And that's when I realized that when I had been writing my story, I included things like my main character felt this or that, but it's not even my main character because I'm trying to go omnipotent. So I'm personally leaning towards yanking all those out and just going omnipotent. But they're unsure. That's why they're asking. And so there are several other little things about the book that are different. Like every time it includes a word or a phrase or a name of a location that the writer assumes the reader doesn't know, it's or like it's specific to the location or made up for the book, there's a footnote. 
And that gives just a brief definition of what it is. And it's kind of unique. It removes the need for the talking head or the idiot character nearby to explain things. But beyond that, my observations are character specific and you'd have to read the book to know what I'm talking about. But one of the biggest results that I've noticed from this style of storytelling is that we have no direct knowledge of anyone's motivations or thought processes. The reader has to guess at motivations and goals based on the actions and words of the character. So back to the original question is, what do you think about that writing approach? So I'm like, okay, this is great. This is a super discussion topic. Let's go. So the first thing I did is I went to Amazon where you can get samples of earlier parts of, you know, they, they, they give you a small sample of the book. because so I, I figured, all right, at least I can have a sense of what it is that I'm reading. And normally book samples are really small, like a chapter, maybe a chapter or two. You don't get a lot. <laughs> this is an enormous sample. Like, I'm like, how long does this go? Did they send me the whole book by accident? But I guess because the book itself is so huge, um, the sample is a little larger than normal, I guess. I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience with sample sizes for books. But uh, in reading it, uh, the first thing I noticed, well, I kept, was keeping in mind about this issue of inner dialogue and all that, because in my mind, I'm thinking, well, what's the point in writing an omnipotent point of view if you can't? say what the characters are feeling or are thinking like that's that's the benefit of writing omnipotent is you can tell everybody's point of view from a bird's eye view and and what everybody is thinking without having to spend a lot of time setting it up or setting up scenes you can just say well this is what's in their head this is why they did what they did or whatever i'm like that's the benefit of it why would you rob yourself of that and so I, in the, I don't know, three or four chapters that, of it that I read before I got so bored to death, I couldn't handle it anymore, is they, there is a lot, uh, not a lot, but there is a character, inner character world. It's just very, very minimal. So you get scenes like wording phrases, like, you know, as the character was leaving X place, they noticed something they thought was odd. That's inner that's inner world. It's not necessarily inner dialogue where the character's thinking to themselves, but it's telling you what's going on inside their head. Another example, the character wondered what sort of business it could be that so-and-so entrusted to this person. Using those phrases like wondered, thought, whatever, we have talked about those on the podcast as thinking words, which when you are inside a character's head, you don't need that. But when you're telling a story omnipotently where you're at a remove from the character, you have to. Otherwise, how do you know that that's the character's thoughts? Like You have to differentiate that from the actual narrative itself. Another example, a very ordinary passage thought, Mr. Character. So that those examples are littered all throughout the story. So we, you definitely do get uh, an insight into what the characters are thinking, it exists. So my first sense would be, you know, if you're thinking about taking all of that out, don't. I mean, God, no. Like, it's going to feel so dry if you have no sense of that character's inner world. I mean, at that point, you might as well just go into writing a script because that's what script writing is. Everything is through the character's actions and what they say. 
and how they interface with the environment. So why would you do that in a novel? That that that's just like boggles my brain. Don't handicap yourself even further by, you know, it's already difficult enough to really fully portray character deeply from an omnipotent point of view. Don't then on top of that rob yourself of the few few tools that you have. But to bolster my point, I'm saying this this book that was the example does have those. It, it's it's all throughout. It has those. It's just that they are broached in such a way that your brain just kind of skips right over the fact that it's saying that is the character's thoughts. You get it in the moment, but you you don't really, it doesn't flip you out to realize from one track to the next to realize, oh yeah, that's what's happening. So that you didn't notice them, that's totally normal. I noticed them because I was looking for them and paying attention to them and I was reading it and not listening to it by audio. Big That's big difference when you're listening to it on audio. So to answer the first part of it, uh, in terms of should you take those out of your work? No, don't. Like, is it, maybe I, if it was me, I would go the opposite direction. I would use that to my advantage. That hey, I'm speaking as as an omnipotent narrator. I would really go all out and use that to my advantage to give you as much characterization, as much inner world of the character as possible, because you will not have a chance to do it by being up close inside the character's head. Just can't, because that would be being the character's, as the narrator, the character's point of view. In terms of what I think about the writing approach in general, this is the only book recently, and I say only three or four chapters recently, that I have read in the omnipotent style. and. Uh, I, I I only got through as much as I did because of knowing I was going to need to talk about it. If I had been trying to make a decision, if I should read this book myself based on just like the opening paragraphs or the, the opening chapters, it was, I skimmed, I skimmed and I skimmed. And I was so boring because it's just talking and talking and talking and talking, which is pretty much exactly how Frankenstein and those, you know, 1800 novels were. It was it's just so much talking, not characters dialogue, just talking about stuff that doesn't matter. And I'm like, no wonder this book is as long as it is. Clearly, I'm not the audience for this book. It is just such a big best-selling book so I'm not trashing the book and I'm not trashing the author I'm just saying you asked for my opinion this is my opinion about my style of books that I enjoy and my style of writing and whatever so based on what I see here what I say what do I think about this writing approach I'm like ew but I have read other stories that are omnipotently told Neil Gaiman does it master storyteller, have never been bored reading any of his books, have loved them. And if you can do it like him, I say yay. Uh, another author that I love is my favorite author, really, when people, ask, well, I haven't read enough to have a favorite author, but when people ask me, you know, who's your favorite author, this is an easy one because I've read more of his books than any others, would be um, Christopher Moore, who also has in many ways, a sort of 
omnipotent narrator style. Um, I love his work because it's funny and it takes you by surprise, but it's also crass and very over the top. So if that's going to bother you, he's not for you, but he is hilarious. Terry Pratchett, another author who writes omnipotently, he also uses footnotes. Not boring in the least, not in the very, very least. And I think that the difference between the way they do it and the way this book was done is they are a lot more story focused and character focused. And I, in, in this particular book that I that I read those four chapters to four chapters in, you finally meet the title character and have no concept of what he really has to do with the next thousand pages that are going to follow. Like you have no sense, like the characters are just the, the, all this lead up, it's introducing characters that may or may not have any bearing on the story whatsoever. And I, I get the sense and I could be completely wrong because I haven't read the book that they are just the way to introduce this character. And so you have page after page after page of basically info dumping setup to get to where you introduce the character who's obviously going to, the story is either about or, I don't know. And it's just intensely boring. So maybe after you've read enough of the story, then all of that begins to make sense. And you're like, oh, I see why they did that. In which case, awesome. But me as a reader never would get there because I I just I I'm probably starting to read like a few sentences per page just to catch the gist and keep going because I keep waiting for something interesting or some key that pulls me into the story and makes me go, yeah, I really want to see where this is going. And I haven't found it yet. I don't know if that's because of the omnipotent narration per se, but I think it probably has a lot to do with it because there's nothing there in anything that I've read that made me go, oh, I'm interested in this character. Nothing. And it's a lot harder to get your audience interested in the characters if they haven't found anything to connect to. As I was reading this, there was no mental movie. There was nothing. It's just information. And I wasn't interested in any of the information. And it's just talking. And so-and-so went here, and they went there, and then they thought this, and then they did this, and they told this other character this other thing. And I understand that that's how the omnipotent narration works. It just the way it came together in this particular segment of this particular book was so boring and uninteresting that I don't know how anyone managed to get through a thousand pages of it and then give it five stars. So I'm guessing it gets better, but I would never have gotten to that point myself. And and there are people who 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 rate my books one star and say, I have no idea how anybody gave this five stars. So it's it's obviously a point of personal taste. 
And I'm not saying that nobody should read it or this book, there's nothing wrong with the book. It just wasn't the right book for me. And that's specifically why I'm not naming it because, because of that. Like, I, I don't want to give somebody a bad impression like, oh, you shouldn't read this. Taylor didn't like it. That That's, that's not my call to make. <laughs> We're just talking about omnipotent narration here. And so I guess the sum of it is don't take out your he thought she wondered from your book. That's that's the gift of being able to be the omnipotent narrator. You're going to make it even harder for your audience to feel any connection with the characters or what's happening in their lives or even relate to the stakes or anything if there's no uh, emotional connection to the character at all. Um, and it's okay, obviously, this author did it, of giving the thoughts and feelings of multiple characters, not just your main character. That's that's how storytelling is. It's it's about people. And if you you take away their inner world, then you just don't have anything left. So that's the first part of the answer. And then to reiterate the second, how do I feel about this? I guess it depends. If you're Neil Gaiman or Christopher Moore, yay. If you're this author, uh, maybe not so much. Um, and how you are as an author, I would say style yourself more after those people and not after this one. And yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> so. All right. I have a couple thoughts here. Um, first off, I read this series of books. I love, I'm not going to mention the author. I'm not going to mention the, the books um, for the same reason that you didn't. But I love the series. I like the first of several books. I just ate them up. They were fabulous. And then the next book came out. I'm like, why can't I read this book? And this was 20 years ago. Um, why can't I read this book? What What is different about this book that I can't, I just can't read it? And it, I didn't even know what an omniscient narrator was back then. But that's what it was. And this was a version of that where there was no he thought, she wondered. It was just straight narration. <laughs> you know, he cocked an it's eyebrow. Telling. So it's, that, it's yeah, sorry to interrupt. I just I, I have to say it. Um, the uh, this concept that the, the omnipotent narration point of view, there's so much telling it's it, it's telling versus showing. And so it's so important that what you to tell to choose what you tell carefully to make it interesting. OK, sorry, please continue. And I my sense is this was an experiment for the author. And I, I don't know how it, it really worked out for her. I, 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 I made it through the book because I knew I would be reading the next book. Um, and I needed to know what happened, but it was an absolute slog. But one other thing that I see more and more often, we have talked about this before, and it's not just in indie published books. I see this in traditionally published books now more often than I used to. And that's where you just the the author just slips into omniscient narration like at the end of a chapter just because they they want to give you someone else's thoughts on something and it's always jarring to me when that happens it's like wait a minute we've been in this person's head for 27 pages and on the last paragraph of page 28 we're in this other person's head and and then i have to go back and read it's like have we been switching back and forth for the whole chapter and i just missed it uh, and no, that's that's not what it is. It's just like the, the author made the decision, I want to get this point across, and this is how I'm going to do it. 
I don't remember yeah. seeing that 15 years ago. And I see it a lot now. Huh. Well, I I don't read enough to have um, story anecdotes of, of my own on that one, but without having seen it or knowing how much more common it is lately, I just, I'm like, that's whiplash, you know, like you try and avoid that. I, that that's what you're going out of your way to not create in your audience. And so that also brings us back to the subject that we talked about before of balance in a book. Like we, a few episodes ago, we were discussing how, how soon to bring a second point of view in and you know can you how long can you wait and and the the underlying answer was about balance you you want to to keep things balanced throughout the book so if you're going to do this where you switch points of view towards the end of a chapter and you only do it for a small amount by all means be consistent don't do that just once or twice throughout a book because then you create this same level of whiplash that pulls the reader out of the story. You, if that's what you're going to do, if that's your choice, and it is your choice as an author, you are God. You get to decide what you're going to do with this story. But whatever you do, be consistent and create balance. And I suspect, Steve, that if the author had done that earlier in the story, and done it a few times along the way, by the time you hit that spot, it wouldn't have thrown you because you would have already sort of fallen into the pattern of multiple multiple perspectives kind of coming your way. It would have way. thrown me the first time, but only because, you know, I've been doing this podcast for how, <laughs> how many years. I yeah. think that if if it wasn't for the knowledge that I have of how some people say things should be done, um, I, I don't think I would have caught it at all, and I would have been entertained by knowing this other person's thoughts on the matter. Um, so that's but interesting. We, so are we making things worse here for our listeners? Like, <laughs> I, I remember I, you <laughs> telling me years ago, <laughs> you know, when we start down this path, it, it's going to ruin your love yes. of reading. Not not so much ruin your you love that. of reading, but it, it's, it, it will change the way you read. Yes, I yes, that, that's very true. But I suspect that even without knowing this, all the things that you know from this podcast, that just as a reader, when you hit that spot, if it had not already come up, it would have still caused you to do a double take just to make sure you understood. It would have been a moment of confusion. Yes, that's and true. and and a bit of rewind. You wouldn't have understood the mechanisms for why. And you wouldn't have felt like, hey, that's not supposed to happen or anything like that. But it still would have pulled you out of the story temporarily. And that's ultimately when all the rules that we talk about of why I do this or don't do that, it's not rules that you have to follow to write a book properly or tell a story properly. The ultimate goal of everything is to create an immersive reading experience that your audience gets sucked into, does not want to leave. And when it's over, they're like, God, I want to do that again. And the less interruption you provide, the less uh, grit, as we call it, that exists in the telling of that story, the deeper they're going to fall into it and the more they're going to enjoy it and want to come back and do it again. So the underlying uh, concept behind everything is, does this make it a better, richer, 
more rewarding experience for your reader? And if the answer is yes, and it's not pulling them out of the story, and you can figure out how to do that, it does not matter what rules you break. It's not about the rules, it's about the end goal. And if you can figure out how to do that end goal and break every single rule along the way, well, then you're a genius and I want you to teach me how you did it. <laughs> but until that time, these rules help you avoid doing that. And that's why we, we have them. And that is it for this week's show. And as I'm sure everyone knows, if you're keeping up with the podcast and you're not listening to this in like February or March of 2024, uh, you know that we're in the holiday <laughs> season. A long now. Time from now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we do have people who go back to the original shows and listen to them. And that's five, six years ago. So we don't know when people are actually going to be listening to this, but it is the middle of the holiday season. So we're going to be taking a break next week, but we plan on being back uh, on the, the last Tuesday of the year. So we will, this, this show is going live on the 13th. We'll miss the following week and we will be back uh, the week after. So we look forward to being with you then and hope that you have a fantastic holiday season. Thank you guys for being along this crazy ride with us and we look forward to being in your ear again soon.